My name is Belinda Estelle. <laughs> what? Oh, what are they you doing? Both, you both are nodding. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'll just... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm not nodding. <laughs> it was like a really like slow clap on the back. <laughs> it's like, yes. yes. Okay, sorry. Happier work, happier life. My name is Belinda Esterhammer and I am your guest host today. I talk with Fiona Young about how to be an effective and influential leader. My takeaways from today's session were that in order to be influential, you have to start from the beginning. You have to start with a mindset of giving back and not to already be on the top and to be the boss of somebody. Leadership is all about working in a team together to achieve a common goal. All right, welcome to another episode. My name is Belinda Esterhammer and I'm your guest moderator today. With me today is Fiona Young who is amazing and is doing a lot of amazing things where that you can actually benefit from. Hi, Fiona. Welcome. Hi, Belinda. I'm really excited to be here today. It's my first podcast. Thank you so much, Happier, for inviting us both to be on an episode together. Previously, we've done talks together. We've been at events together, but this is our first podcast together and Fiona's first ever podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Nervous? A little bit, yeah, but also <laughs> excited to do it together with you. Thank you. Before we jump right in, um, do you quickly want to tell us what you do? Sure, absolutely. So I'm an intergenerational leadership coach and I help my clients who are organizations or leaders to help them understand the younger generation a little bit better. I want to help them to also diminish all these millennial myths that we are hearing on social media. And so um, at the same time, I also work with young talents, people who are still in university or in their first leadership position, to really prepare them to become inspiring future leaders. And I think it's really great that you work with both spectrums. So Exactly, because yeah. for me, it's really about bridging the generational gaps from both sides. So it's actually both sides. You, you know that it takes two to tango. So I see it the same way. And I love that you introduced yourself oh, back when I met you as a bridge builder. <laughs> yes, both a generational but also cultural bridge because I'm actually from Germany and I've moved to Hong Kong 10 years ago and kind of got stuck here. But ethnicity-wise, you're actually not German. No, my parents are from Malaysia. I was born in Malaysia, but then I grew up in Germany, spent a couple of years in the States. And yeah, I'm kind of a global citizen or also jokingly, I call myself a banana. <laughs> I love that expression. <laughs> um, yeah, I only mentioned that because for podcast heroes who don't see your face, that they actually know that just because you sound German-English doesn't mean you are actually one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, my name is Belinda Esthema. I run a marketing and consulting C I run a marketing and consulting agency called Springboard Group. I work in um, events and also with a lot of tech companies on actually um, building and starting the business. I'm really heavily involved within the female empowerment space and also I'm really passionate about education and giving back to the younger generation. And that's also where Fiona and I previously in the past had some projects together. So today we're going to talk about how to be an effective young leader. So when we talk about leadership, and I know a lot of um, people in the audience, they're young professionals. What is actually a leader? 
Right. And I think this needs to be really um, de defined, right? Because oftentimes it may be misconstrued as be what's the difference between managers and leaders. So you can be a leader even though you don't have anyone reporting directly to you. And oftentimes, you know, for, for myself, I have a corporate background. I used to work for 14 years in the oil and gas industry. And especially in your first maybe seven years, you don't really get to have any direct reports. But at the same time, you should actually see yourself as a leader already because you require others to actually uh, deliver results for you. So how do you influence them? How do you persuade them and convince them that um, they, they would kind of need to help you out? So for me, a leader is someone who doesn't need to have a specific title, but is someone who can inspire to help others to become the best version of themselves. That's great because I think often, yeah, when um, especially young people or even when I was in the beginning of my career, when I heard about leaders, I only thought of people like Steve Jobs, you know, the big names, but I never thought that within the next 20 years, I can already consider myself as a leader. Yeah. In fact, based on research, now the um, leaders or people managers are getting younger and younger. So it's not uncommon to see someone in their late 20s to actually have a bigger team already. Which is amazing right. and really great to see. And um, yeah, so if we talk about influence, what you also mentioned, why is influence so important when it comes to leadership? Yeah, because if you don't have people on board, if they don't really understand the why, why they would need to support you, then you wouldn't be able to actually deliver any results. And I think oftentimes... You know, if you don't even have a direct report, you still need to collaborate with others around you. It could be your peer. It could be someone who's more junior than you or even someone who's more senior. So being influential is, means also that you have the credibility, um, that you're reliable and that you have built up that emotional relationship and connection. So a lot of different components when we talk about influence, but at the, but what's really important is that you really listen to the other person as well. So it's really starting to listen, to hear how the other person is thinking and being becoming more inclusive in that space. So I believe uh, great leaders who I've met personally as well are those who can lead with humility and who are able to also listen to other people's views. That's really true. So um, talking about leadership and also this influence, can you only have this within your professional life, so at work, or how can you also, um, you know, start working on your leadership and influence, whether it's in your private life or at uni or within your community? Right. So let's maybe start with uh, university, right? These days um, in, in your student life, you will actually have a lot of opportunities to also join NGOs or student communities where you can already practice leadership skills. Um, one of the things that I would also like to point out is that it's not only starting with establishing leadership skills, but to become a good leader, you also need to be a good follower. So I think it's identifying around you who are great leaders and really using them as a role model. So you can start already in university, joining extracurricular activities, taking that lead role, driving certain things, be being more proactive. And even when you're in, in work, when you're in your corporate role, for example, look outside of 
look outside of your job scope. What are the things that you can maybe join? A lot of companies these days have employee resource groups, networks like uh, women's network or even graduates network. So in my first role, when I you know, started my career in oil and gas, I was uh, located in a refinery. And around me, there are a lot of, um, I would say, people who are having really long tenure, um, who are very well experienced. But I felt that I... I needed some sort of um, experience outside of that scope. And so I actually raised my hands to say, I want to become part of the committee for this employee resource group to support the fresh graduates who joined the company and to drive events or workshops that are career related. So I think these um, these kind of activities are definitely important for you to establish these leadership skills, and you don't need to wait until you're actually being promoted to become a people manager. I think it's also worth mentioning that you were the youngest head of operations at this oil and gas company, and um, you had a big team, a global team that yeah. you actually had to lead. Yeah, it was very intimidating. And uh, one of the first things I still remember I had to do that was... Uh, Valentine's Day 2015 is actually tell two of my team members that they won't have a job anymore by the end of the year. And one of them was pregnant. So one of the reasons why I actually am focusing a lot on young leadership is because I feel that we don't have these handrails provided to young leaders. Um, we probably teach them coaching skills, how to provide effective feedback, but all these like mindset shift from being a great individual contributor to becoming an inspiring leader of a team, we hardly focus on that mindset shift. A lot of us feel that because we're in our first leadership position, we have it all figured out. We actually put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we need to have all the answers. So for me, that was the main reason, in fact, to focus my coaching on those who are in the first or second leadership position um, and to give them that confidence, but also humility to lead, even though they are young. That's great. Yeah, because I think, yeah, we also discussed this in the past that uh, we see a lot of um, university students or young professionals come out of university or they're in the first job and they're like, I want to become a leader. <laughs> and I think it's also worth mentioning that it's not something that you become overnight, but it's something that evolves within your, whether it's professional or whatever you do with yeah. you, it grows with you. It does. And it, I feel it also starts with self-leadership, right? You can only lead people. You can only excite and influence others if you can actually excite yourself, if you have that drive and that passion yourself. So I believe that it starts with self-leadership and you can actually start before you even embark on your, you know, professional career. In school, for example, there are plenty of groups, networks that you can join where you can actively drive something yourself because you're passionate about it. And if there's no group that you want to join, create your own one. Exactly. Why not, right? Nowadays, it's so easy to just go online and create your own group. So that's basically no excuse anymore. Absolutely. To not have a community around what you're passionate about. What are generally important skills to have, um, whether it's, um, and I think you mentioned some of them um, before already, but if, for example, I want to become a good leader, mm. what things should I work on, start working on now? Right, right. So when we look at leadership skills, I like to actually summarize that into the three E's of leadership. And that's about equipping, empowering, and exposing. 
So in the equipping portion, is working with your team members, with your direct reports, or your, even your peers to help them understand what is actually the why, what's the purpose of what they have to do? Because people can only contribute if they really understand how they can contribute and what is it that they're actually going to contribute to. So defining that why, or what we also call the North Star, will become very, very important. And also, of course, for yourself, you need to understand what is your finish line. So you equip your team members, you equip, with other, you equip others with the why, then you actually empower them. That's the next level. So once they know what they're supposed to do, you got to let things go. That's trust. <laughs> and I know that especially <laughs> for younger leaders, um, they're very driven. They're very, um, I would say, um, sometimes also quite pushy because they want to succeed all the time. Uh, it takes a bit of trust and letting go because once you actually let go, you, you can actually empower the others to deliver themselves and they become self-sufficient. So instead of them constantly coming to you for the answer, they hopefully can self-discover the solution themselves. And that's for yourself also a lot of less time to spend on figuring things out. And the last E is exposure. So a lot of leaders, and I'm not saying young leaders, I think across the board, we tend to forget the last portion, which is exposing. And what I mean by that is really recognizing and um, rewarding the staff, the, your team member, if they've done a really great job. So exposing them, especially when, when you look at the corporate environment, if other senior leaders can see that they have done a great job, it actually helps them to also get promoted or it helps them to be on the radar. So I would say there are lots of skills, but I would summarize it in these three E's. And of course, we spoke just now about listening. Listening is also a really important tool. And one of the things whenever I work with my coaching clients is to tell them to use the power of silence. So once you ask a question, just let it sink in instead of trying to give an answer and to use the power of silence and just not say anything. Power of silence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, uh, much for these um, three E's. Um, if any corporates are listening right now and they actually want to um, improve or also empower the leadership team, what are some of the things um, that they can do, whether it's incentives or how to promote them effectively? Right. And it starts with transparent communication. So oftentimes, um, those who I'm coaching, if they are thinking about leaving an organization, it's primarily because they don't see that they can grow in the company, whether it's not receiving any learning and development opportunities or not being very clear about the career tra trajectory, um, the career path. So I would say it's really where HR and business leaders would need to work together to map out what are the key competencies that that person actually has to display and deliver in order to get to the next level and to constantly and transparently communicate that path to this individual as well, instead of just letting things go and focusing on the transactional activities day in and day out. I think organizations, leaders, HR need to spend a little bit more time to also have these open and honest conversation, 
constant feedback, not only, you know, those three times per year, the year um, goal setting in the beginning of the year, the mid-year review and the year-end appraisal that we usually know, but actually it's so important to also sit down in between to just get a check-in to see how the person is actually progressing, whether you as a leader feel that um, there are some gaps, whether there are some areas for improvement, and how can you close that together? In the second E, you talked about trust. Yes. So if you, for example, work for um, a team where you don't feel that there's a lot of trust there, and I think, yeah, mm. we worked in corporate, we've seen these yeah. teams, and we've been in the shoes of the employee. Um, how can people actually, what can they do to actually earn that trust or, you know, avoid being micromanaged? Yeah, that's really a great question that I receive all the time. And um I like to use the trust equation. Yeah. So for those who are very left brain oriented, they might love it. So basically, um, you have uh, the three elements above the denominator. So you have reliability. So you're doing something consistently right and not just once. So sometimes when I work with my coaching clients, they say that they are being very proactive um, for one week and then they expect some sort of reward. It doesn't work that way. So we need to have some patience and it's, you need to be reliable on a consistent basis. Then the second component is credibility. And that also comes in, what comes into play is also your competence, your knowledge, and of course, experience. It doesn't happen overnight. The other element is intimacy or relationship. So you need to have some sort of, you need to establish some sort of rapport with the other person to gain their trust. But what's the most important thing? What usually people forget is the denominator. Can you guess what that is? Tell me. Okay. <laughs> so it's self-orientation. Ah. So it's that perceived hidden agenda that people have of you. Because no matter how reliable, how credible, or how good your relationship is, but if people perceive that you have a high self-orientation, basically like you are having a hidden agenda, then the trust will go low. As you mentioned before, that all feeds back into um, the trust and also into this why and following this North Star. Mm. So um, as you mentioned also that, yeah, people, they perceive and they know when it's all about you and not about the bigger vision in a team. And I think that also ties back to the leadership component that leadership is about working in a team and supporting the team and not about supporting yourself. Exactly. Yes. So I feel that if you are able to really understand this trust equation, you are also able to identify maybe an area that you can work on in order for others to trust you or even for you to trust others because it becomes more defined. It's a huge statement to say, I don't trust you, right? It really hurts. But sometimes we don't know why we don't trust that individual. So hopefully with this trust equation, it becomes a little bit more clearer. Totally. And I mean, yeah, it's There's also this saying and this book also that leaders eat last. Mm. And I think that's also really a mentality and mindset that really true leaders have when it comes to their team. Yes. All right. Diving into the whole networking, building your own network part, because you said influence is so important when it comes to leadership. 
So how, where to start, how to do it? Right. And especially now when we are working from home, right, with the whole COVID-19 situation. So how do you even network? Because there are no networking events. So for me, I sometimes don't really like that word network or networking. So for me, I see it more as making meaningful connections. And when I was working in corporate for 14 years, I would say 60, 70% of my job was very virtual. So sometimes or most often, my boss is not next to me, um, probably even on another continent. My team members are also not sitting next to me. And if I have um, to lead a project, Most of my vendors or suppliers are also not with me in the same office. So how do you still maintain that influence or how do you also maintain the networking? So one of the very simple things that I like to just share is catch up over a virtual coffee. It sounds a bit odd. And sometimes when we're so busy At our laptops, we just tend to forget about interacting with each other in a virtual way. But these days with whatever you're using, Zoom or Google Hangout, you can actually catch up over coffee. And it doesn't have to be always related to something transactional. It's just to catch up and see um, whether or not maybe that person is working on a very exciting project that you want to hear more about. So you're expanding your scope. Even, even though we're working virtually. One of the things, if we're back to work again, um, what I used to do is actually have lunch with different people every day. And so that's how you can also establish a bigger network. And how you can make sure to try out a lot of restaurants that's around right. the area. So back again to these um, meetings online. How do you recommend people to reach out to people that they usually never talk to within, mm. for example, their organization? Right, right. And I believe that these days people are much more open towards younger generations if they are hungry to know more. What's really important is that when you reach out to someone, uh, you have a clear idea of why. So what's the purpose of you reaching out to that person? Um, is it because the, you see that person as a really great role model or you have seen this person maybe speak at a town hall and you find him or her very inspiring? So I would actually connect those dots and also share why you want to reconnect. And most often, people would never say no. They actually feel very privileged and very honored that you reach out to them. But you need to also respect time. So I would say... Kick it off maybe with 15, 20 minutes to introduce yourself, to also highlight why you're so interested in that person or maybe in, that, in their area. And especially if you're um, new in your career, you also want to expand your horizon. Maybe you want to figure things out um, that you could look into if you are maybe stuck in finance, but you want to venture out into marketing, which I kind of did. Um, so it's really reaching out to those who you find interesting and where you feel like you can learn from them. And as you mentioned, be mindful with the time. If you know that this person is super busy, don't schedule a one hour call. Ask him for a 15 or 20 minute quick coffee on the video. Exactly. Yeah, nobody will say no. Yes. And what mistakes do you see when it comes to networking within organizations? I would say it's just meeting once and then letting it go. 
In order to establish a network or connection, you need consistency and consistent check-ins as well. We usually start networking only when we need something from someone. Um, maybe you are planning to rotate to a different role internally, and then you start reaching out. I feel that's too late already. So you need to start reaching out way before beforehand and raise interest, but also be on people's radar. Your you might not rotate maybe next month, but you could move on within the next year. So it's never too early to start networking, getting to know other people outside of your job scope, outside of your division, because once you really need support, sometimes it's already too late. Such a good point that you should start networking before you need something, because that also leads back again to your ease People see if you have a hidden agenda and people don't want to be taken advantage of. So you should also take the time really to, if you network, take the time to get to know people and don't just bombard them with the things you want from them. Because at the end of the day, they don't have to help you. No. And how I see it is also, it may not be that person who reciprocates, right? It can actually be someone else. So if you are reaching out to someone who's helping you, help someone else as well. So you're actually contributing into this beautiful cycle of support. Send the lift down. <laughs> That's how I like to say. <laughs> um, so if we talk about also um, networking outside of organizations, for example, we both, fun story, we mm. both met on LinkedIn. <laughs> That was how many years ago? Uh, 2017, September. It was a long time ago. And um, yeah, we just added, connected over LinkedIn and then we met for a coffee and that's how basically our journey started together. Yeah. Um, but that also shows how easy it actually is if you're being genuine and interested in somebody's profile. I think I might have um, connected with you first because I was interested in your profile. Um, but yeah, if you're being genuine about something and asking people for a coffee... Why not? I didn't have an agenda except that I wanted to know more about you. Yeah. And it happened that it so happened that we both are from German speaking countries. So that is also another commonality we didn't even know about. Exactly. I'm a half banana, <laughs> <laughs> if that's a thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, my mom is from Hong Kong. My dad's from Austria. So yeah, I'm also from a German speaking country. And um, Yeah, so yeah, the power of networking, you will be really surprised if you go out and meet new people, regardless if they can help you now in your job. But if you find them interesting, meet with them. If you have any cool hobbies, find people that do the same thing and just connect within the community. You have no idea how big um, this network can grow and the chances that you can get. Yeah, I mean, even for me now, um, one of my biggest clients, I actually met a person who works at that company through dancing, through dance class. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought, but things happen. And I think, like you said, when you show up authentically, people will know that you have to, you have to have that genuine purity, I would say the low self-orientation and people are willing to support you. Exactly. And don't forget to give back. Ask people what you can do for them. Even if you already know that they probably will, yeah, you can't help them, but just ask for it. Uh, absolutely. And I think that especially for the younger ones, they always feel that, 
I don't have anything to share with them. But I, I don't believe that. Um, the next generation are really great at, let's say, social media. So you could give some tips in terms of employer branding, or you can even share your experience about growing up in Hong Kong, what is important for you with regards to leadership or communication. So they could actually adjust their leadership style as well. So I think even for no matter how long you have worked in your life, there's always something that you're able to share. And as you mentioned, reverse mentoring, it exists. And it's really important, not just for the older generation to mentor the younger, yes. but also for the younger to reverse mentor the older. I mean, how should they know about TikTok? And yeah, yeah otherwise. <laughs> I still have don't have a TikTok account, <laughs> but that's okay. One of the things, since you mentioned reverse mentoring, I also would like to suggest to organizations to implement mutual mentoring because the regular mentoring we know, it's more the mature generation mentoring the younger ones and then reverse mentoring is the other way around. But mutual mentoring is quite similar to an apprenticeship in Germany. So it's where both sides can actually benefit from each other's knowledge and experience. And maybe it feels less intimidating also for the mentee, because oftentimes the mentee always feels that they don't have anything to contribute. But when it's a mutual mentoring, it's actually both sides who can benefit from the relationship. How can you set up a mutual mentorship? So for example, right now with people being stuck at home. Right. I guess it's, again, when you network, Don't just meet that person once. Try to regularly meet up. The more you talk to each other, the more you will find out what that person is maybe struggling with, what their challenges are, and maybe you are actually quite talented in that space. So don't make that mistake to just meet once and that that's it. Make sure you connect with them, at least on LinkedIn, stay connected, at least through WhatsApp, and just check in with them how they're doing. And then if you really want to embark on the reverse mentoring or a mutual mentoring relationship, sometimes it's just about asking. And if you don't ask, you would never know. But you also, if you want to ask, you also have to be prepared that they might say no because they don't have time or they just can't commit. So I think it's really about being quite clear about why you think this um, mutual mentoring could benefit both sides. And I think also if you're clear about the time commitment, that makes it so much easier. For example, if you say once per month, we have a one hour call. Yes. That makes it so much easier than, for example, you coming up with something where each of the two um, have to, you know, meet once a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, last week we had a webinar called um, Sometimes You Need a Good Slap. Slap stands for Supportive Learning Accountability Partner, which Happier also posted on their website. So thanks a lot, Happier, for that. Well, if you don't want to maybe reach out to someone who is a little bit more mature, more senior, you can actually find an accountability partner. A Some, slap partner. A slap partner. How do you find a slap partner? Again, it's really about meeting a lot of different people, identifying what their talents are, but also what your talents are in order for them to actually learn from you. You don't need to be necessarily an expert in that field. I had someone who is a wealth manager because I needed to get my personal finances in order. And he needed someone to share with him or, or help him to get clarity about his career. So it just worked out perfectly well. And I would say that you need to find someone who is able to also give you a nudge. Um, 
we say is supportive, but at the same time, sometimes t- we need that tough love. A slap. A slap. Hashtag slap me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, it doesn't always have to be mentoring. You can also find an accountability partner. So yeah, find yourself a slap partner who gives you the nudge. And I think we often need that tough love. So don't also, I think worth mentioning, yeah, don't um, engage or have a slap partner like your best friend mm. or people that are too close to you because yeah. they don't want to hurt your feelings. Yes. And they might also have similar perspective. So try to find someone who is a little bit more diverse from you, who's in a different field because we are all somehow blindsided. So it's good to have someone from a different um, you know, field who, is, uh, who has a different perspective that they can share with you. We're in uncertain times right now, and I'm so sorry for saying this sentence, <laughs> and I know you heard it all, but job market is disrupted the whole economy globally. How how should people cope with that? Um, you know, when they are either like entering um, back into the workforce um, soon, maybe they've also lost their, lost their job. And I'm sure you hit, hit some roadblocks in the past too. How, what should you do? Right. And um, I mean, this whole COVID-19 situation is something that is unprecedented. And we had other crises before. Um, For 14 years in corporate, I actually was made redundant twice. And um, one of the redundancy was due to the financial crisis in 2008. So I was in a role where I had to not only move finance roles from Germany to India. But at the same time, if I'm successful, I would also lose my job. So it's kind of ironic. I lost my job, but at the same time, it also opened up an opportunity for me to reassess what I truly wanted in my life and also my professional life. So for the longest, I've always wanted to rediscover my Asian heritage. And It just felt right in that moment. It's somehow like that external nudge that I needed to have the courage to go to my boss and tell him, you know, this is now something that's really important to me and I want to pursue that. And because I was consistently delivering great results for the company and for my boss, he actually helped me to get relocated to Hong Kong in 2010. So all of these road bumps that we hit I always believe that our struggles define our successes and life is never a flat line. It goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster because if it's a flat line, then we're basically dead. It would be boring. And it would be boring because only in the challenging moments, we can actually build up our resilience. So resilience is the key word. I feel as an individual, as organizations, as leaders, we really need to focus more on helping ourselves and others to become more resilient. Right now we're hit by COVID-19. Who knows what's going to come next? But if we do not have that resilience, we see adversities as something that is unsurmountable. And that's just not true. It's something that I feel we also need to focus on mindfulness. So a lot of great leaders are actually not only very humble, but they're also very mindful. And we're not talking about sitting in a cross-legged position, closing your eyes and saying, um, it's actually being in the present moment, because no matter how great you are with regards to your leadership skills, when you're in that frustrating situation, you might actually lash out on others. So, But if you're mindful, if you just breathe, you're actually more resourceful and you can show up as the better version of yourself. 
showing up as a better version of yourself. Do you have any more tips on how, for example, young professionals who are stuck right now at home have to work long hours, they're just not used to also working at home, how they can practice mindfulness? Right. I say the power of habit. Make it a habit. And meditation or mindfulness It sounds really intimidating for those who have never practiced it before. They usually say they can't meditate because there are so many thoughts. In fact, thoughts are natural. What you need to do when you're mindful is just to accept them, but also let them go. So nothing is permanent in life. Thoughts are not permanent either. Emotions are not permanent either. So use the power of habit. Make sure that you plan it into your daily routine. Maybe it works for you in the morning. Maybe it works for you before you go to sleep. But all you need to do is kick it off with two minutes of just breathing. And don't judge yourself if you're having thoughts. That's just normal. I work a lot with my coaching clients and they are also young professionals. And they want to explore that mindfulness space, but they feel intimidated because of, all, yeah, it became an industry, right? Again, you don't need to sit in a cross-legged position. You can just close your eyes and breathe and focus on that. Also, in the office, when you're preparing to have a conversation with your boss that might be a little bit confrontational, just pause and breathe. And with, the, with these exercises, they help you to find clarity. Absolutely, because then your mind is decluttered. Right? You Marie Kondo your mind in that way. <laughs> so it's really decluttered and you have more space for creativity. You have more space for clarity and actually show up as the better version of yourself. So was this also one of the exercises that you practiced back in 2009, 2010, um, when you were looking for this clarity? Back in the days... Not so much, honestly speaking. I'm, I would say, fairly new to meditation mindfulness. So I only started in 2017 when I left my corporate career. Um, when I hit that road bump in 2009 and 10, I was more having a nervous breakdown. So it was a complete breakdown for me to realize that where I'm heading is not something that I wanted. And I think with working from home, having that space, I hope more people actually can just sit down. You don't need to meditate, but just sit down with a piece of paper, with a pen, and just draw out what is it that you truly want in life, especially if there are no financial constraints and there are no societal pressure. So what is it that you really want to do if there are no financial constraints and societal pressure? That's a really great question to ask yourself. Thank you so much um, for sharing how it was back then and the roadblock that you hit um, and how you too had a nervous breakdown. And I think that also shows a lot of, or should show a lot of people listening that it's okay to not knowing where you're going to go and it's okay to have a nervous breakdown and to freak out about things. That's right. We're not perfect. Life is not perfect. I think the mindset of growth, the mindset of continuous learning is so important. And also the notion that nothing in life is permanent, whether it's pain, whether it's sometimes also happiness, nothing in life is permanent. So then we are not hung up on it and we accept what life throws at us. 
And I think also right now, everybody, you know, they, they're just looking around social media, comparing themselves mm. to others, and they're really treating this pandemic as a productivity test. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips to those people? <laughs> Stop doing that. Switch <laughs> off your social media. But I get that, right? I, I, I also suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out when I look at my social media. I think it's also to remind ourselves that we all have something happening in the background and what we see on social media is just a highlight reel. But there's so much, I don't want to say suffering, but there are so many challenges that we have to overcome. This is a pandemic, not a productivity competition. So if you just want to take this time out and just relax, that's okay. If you want to learn a new language, that's all right too. I just think it's all about your intentions. What do you really want to get out of this? Personally, I feel that I have so much space and time to actually become more creative and use the time to explore different areas that I wouldn't have had this opportunity to if it's, you know, just a regular hustling. You're just learning to play guitar, right? That's right. I'm actually having a guitar lesson after this podcast. <laughs> And she never played guitar before right now. I'm taking these lessons and it's not benefiting for your business or anything. It's just something you wanted to do. That's right. I mean, every year I don't really have New Year's resolution. My only resolution I have is to learn one new thing. And with the COVID situation where I have to stay home because I can't travel anymore to run workshops and events, I take this time to really focus on all the other things that I've kind of left aside, like writing a book, even together with my parents. And your parents, they're not even here. They're in Malaysia. So you're really writing them across the ocean. That's right. Yeah. So thankfully, we have technology these days. And right? it's amazing how you inspired your mom to also start writing a book. And she's just writing it with pen and paper. Yes, very old school. <laughs> But that also shows that you don't need fancy tech to start with something or any excuses. She doesn't take any excuses. She just grabbed her pen, a paper, and yes. she just started writing. And she finds it invigorating. So you need to find out what works best for you. But I would say try, try it out. Because if you don't try it out, you wouldn't know whether it works for you. Yeah, I think it's really important to have this mindset of trying out new things. And I think that also what is what makes a leader to really be open to things and, you know, to go out of your comfort zone. Wrapping everything up, what are three go-to actions that people can do today to become an effective leader tomorrow? I would say start with why. That's number one. Because you need to understand what is your North Star, what is your finish line. Because if you don't know that, then all the actions you're taking is just going all over the place. So you start with why. And if you don't know how to start with your why, check out Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Yes. And if you're not a reader, you can also check out his TED Talk. So it's condensed in... 18 minutes. Or check out Audible, which also has ebooks. I mean, there's so many, there's no excuse anymore exactly. nowadays. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the second thing as a leader, I would say, is to ask more questions. So just stop speaking. Just use the power of silence and ask more questions. Because if you get to know the other person better, you also understand what are their challenges, what are their talents, and how you can help them. And thirdly, I would say, It's not only knowing what to do, but it's actually doing what you know. And that's just taking one step. You don't need to take so many steps. 
you just need to do one step to get to the next level. Because sometimes people feel that they have to do so many different things in order to reach their career aspiration. And then they get so frustrated because it seems unachievable. It's just too much. So, you see the big mountain. And yeah. Like, Why? How should I reach that? Exactly. You just take that one step. Whatever it is for you, whether it's to maybe have lunches with different people every day or maybe just be proactive and asking your boss that you're interested in this new project and that you would want to support even though it's not in your job scope. So that could be that one step. We have so many resources on the internet. It's so easy to reach out to other people these days. It's just really doing what you know. And everybody's climbing their own personal Mount Everest. So, you know, everybody just takes one step after another and you can't just take a helicopter and get to the top, unfortunately. Exactly. And, um, but I would say, if, yeah, put things into perspective and, you know, do one thing after another and break tasks down, regardless how small they are. If it makes you feel better to take them off, then, you know, whatever goes for you. And also, you know, like your mom, take a pen, take a yes. sheet of paper and start writing a book. Exactly. All right, Fiona, where can people actually find you if they want to connect with you? I would say the easiest way is on LinkedIn. I'm very present over there, post almost three times per week, um, sharing some articles as well for young leaders, but also for HR professionals. And, and videos for people who don't like to read. Exactly. I also put some subtitles, so that works too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So follow me on LinkedIn, reach out to me as well. My company is called Holistic Coach Salting. And holistic is with a W <laughs> because my name is actually FYI, Fiona. Yeah. So <laughs> if you try to find me on LinkedIn, make sure it's FYI for your information. <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm really excited to hearing from all of you guys. Please feel free to reach out. And if you get in touch with Fiona, please mention that where you come from, that you're coming coming through this podcast, because that's also part of networking, telling people actually, you know, where you come from and don't just send them an unpersonalized message. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to connect with me, you can also find me on LinkedIn under my name or under um, belindaesterhammer.com. Uh, just tell me also where you come from and I'm happy to connect. Thank you so much, Happier, for inviting us both to be on this podcast and happier work, happier life. Mm -hmm.